welcome to series two, episode four of Barely a Degree. So, as usual, I'm here with Samuel Downey. Hello there. And Dominic Holland. Hello. But also our first ever guest in the guise of Luke Holland. Hello. Luke's going to be doing Sam's job this week. He's going to be taking taking the the helm. Taking the helm. I'm going to attempt to. Sam has quite a, a... defined structure of the way he does this. You say this, and but Sam denies And a much, much smoother, silkier voice than I do. Not but this week. what I will say Commanding is Sam, voice. Mm. Sam is uh, quite ill. I feel fucking horrible. So, yeah, should we uh, get down to the usual business? Uh, well, there's two bits of business. First, oh, we're going to talk about Sam's appearance this week because the moustache is gone, and I'm oh. very, very upset oh, about yeah. that. Yeah. I hadn't even noticed. <laughs> Such a strong impression it made. You don't look like a World War II pilot. Sam's mustache, sometime around about mid June. Till Do not refer to yourself in the third person. <laughs> I was referring to the me mustache in the third person. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, what, what's the date? Some sometime in late September. Twenty third is the day. Yeah, shaved off. Uh, accidentally shaved it off while I was trying to give it a careful trim. <laughs> A little bit. Was little it one bit, not too one, deep? One, one shaky, shaky, unsteady hand of the clipper, and then that nah, was it was yeah. done for. Yeah, me and Dom have never had that problem. <laughs> you've both got. It looks like you could have very, very good beards, but nope, rumor nope. has it you can't. Nope, nope. <laughs> Spiders' legs trying to escape from our faces. Oh, as Dom likes to put it, it uh, looks like I've tried been eating a bag of charcoal. <laughs> or a bag of island filings. Iron filings. Island filings. Iron filings. Mm. It looks like you've been eating a bag of iron filings when you try to grow your beard. But if you just waited two weeks... I've left it a month before. He has. And he I did. Had a he looked absolutely rank. Yeah. I had a friend who just said, you have to shave, I'm not going, out. I'm not going outside with you. When did you have a friend? <laughs> <laughs> Was it James Turgoose? It wasn't... <laughs> James Douglas was my best friend in first school. <laughs> Until Dom called him an egg. No, no excuse me. Sorry, I you called him, called him, an, him egg. an egg. And I, I got in trouble for it. And then yeah. you got sent to the head teacher for calling <laughs> someone an egg. Okay, so after that bit of business, let's move on to the usual bit of business. So, just a reminder, it's mine and Downey's quotes that we've written down on this bit of paper that we think are funny. This is in Downey's handwriting. It just says, land before time, Dom. <laughs> this is a short one, isn't it? It is. <laughs> but it, it's a good one. I'm unfamiliar with this. Me and Dom were drinking with a gang of other people. This was, God, many years ago. 2009 or something, probably. It'll be a lot. And we were in Jimmy's in Whitley Bay. Oof. I think Emily Rogers was uh, taking the photographs. And uh, she was snip-snapping away and she caught a corker of you with the flash. Boom. Blitzed out all of your uh, your sort of lines. <laughs> your lines and crevices. Uh, so, she took this class. photograph of Dom and he looks exactly like that stupid little dinosaur from Land Before Time. <laughs> and it is hilarious. <laughs> he looked... You know the one, it's the... That was what your it, scathing comment on Facebook was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. You look like that stupid little dinosaur from Land Before Time. It's, is it a Brontiosaurus or a Brachiosaurus? The ones with a long neck. With a long little neck. But yeah. it's a baby one, so it's like really small. <laughs> but come on, face is whitewashed out and my entire beak just looks like a <laughs> <Your> <laughs> beak. Because that dinosaur's got like a, a big 
curved face, does, which yeah. goes into its mouth. I think it's like a, a brownish colour. Yeah, it's a brown light brownie. So there wasn't really much depth to that story, but it was very, very funny. So at, one point, at the time, it was very embarrassing for me because lots of people laughed at it online and on social life. media. And I think that brings us nicely to the, the, the front door of Luke and his brain. So the subject of the podcast is uh, the 16-bit console wars. 16-bit was the SNES and the Sega Mega Drive. Um, right, so it was a war. What was the death toll? <laughs> the death toll was uh, zero. <laughs> so I suppose the best place to start would be the relevance of the, the consoles in the home, how they came about. For ages, they had microcomputers in the home. You know, similar things to, like, the Amiga, the Commodore 64. Commodore 64. So what they Good were, old they were, cassette. They would be, yeah. <laughs> the Atari. The Atari. Uh, the Spectrum. The Atari 5200, which came out in 1982. <laughs> the first ever uh, home console came, was the Magnavox Odyssey, which came out in 1972. And wow, we. 1972? Probably things like. I'm thinking probably, because the depth of my research wasn't this sufficient. Probably things like Pong. Yeah, you've been listening to Sam, I see. Probably, <laughs> probably, thing, <laughs> probably things like Pong and, you know, Space Virtual Invaders. Hockey, which was probably just Pong, but from a different angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, was Pong right the first game. Yeah. Pong was the first game. Tennis. Basically. Tennis. It was digital tennis. That's what Pong was. So you had the Magnavox Odyssey in 1972 and you had other various consoles that came and went. Most of them were micro um, computers, so basically PCs that played games. But then you had things like the Atari, which were dedicated systems, but they're they weren't impressive. They were basically home ports of arcade systems. So you'd play like terrible knockoff versions of Donkey Kong. Right. Things okay. like that. And then eventually the NES came along and that landed in Japan in 1983 and in England we didn't get it until 1985 and that was completely different. So the games for those like microcomputers were significantly cheaper. You know, they were probably between 5, 15, 20 quid. NES cartridges were like Forty pounds, I think, maybe fifty. Forty quid in nineteen eighty-three. Games have always been about fifty quid. <laughs> think about it. Every time you went to get a game, it's always been too yeah, expensive. Yeah, but the value of so I read this. Money. I read this money, and I remember. Oh. I remember significantly. The only game I ever remember buying, because I have no memory, is Banjo <laughs> and Kazooie. Or about Doctor Dragos Madcap Chase. But I remember buying. Yeah, I do remember buying. Why that. do we buy Doctor Dragos Madcap Chase? Because it came with a control pad, and we needed a control pad for the PC so we could play Rayman. But Ray- <laughs> <laughs> you have got a memory lad, because that is the exact. No, it's reason. not. It's because our family has six stories. <laughs> our family has- <laughs> that was also Doctor Dragos laugh whenever you lost, which you always did because it was really hard. It was really hard. It no. was like Monopoly, but hard, and we were children. It had a really, really, really good voiceover for the time. Did. And coming into Brussels, it's <laughs> so when the NES, the NES first appeared, it it was massive. It was unbelievably gigantic. So you think of computer games today; they're they're general stable. People are nerds all around. They they make it into every home. Then it was just a huge phenomenon, though, for the time. It was a massive, massive deal. So there was there was Nintendo uh, paraphernalia everywhere because it was immediately a huge success. I mean, merchandise paraphernalia, you know, um, interchangeable words, interchangeable, but you know what you want. You know, <laughs> that wasn't the way I was on the grammar podcast. Sorry, I was just joining in. Oh, well done. Sit in silence, son. Because <laughs> computers would have been seen like as like a kid's toy, wouldn't it? Like. 
like a console. It's not it's like an adult wouldn't go and be like, Ugh, uh, Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you there would have done. Sorry. Maybe they did. I bet you there was a lot that did. So Nintendo started, they were a um, a card manufacturing company. So for years and years and years, they just made playing cards. Can I make a little point here? Yes. A, 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 little, a little historical tidbit to your... Uh... Yes, please. Do you think all the listeners now are going, finally, Sam is talking. <laughs> finally, there's um, some knowledge. There's that beautiful, rich, deep, Velvety. jawdy voice that we all have grown to <laughs> accept. Uh, <laughs> from the... Uh, my little historical tidbit about Nintendo is from the late 19th century until about the 1920s. Nintendo's customers were almost exclusively Yakuza. Really? Why? Uh, because the only people that used pay, uh, trade playing cards were the Yakuza, because they ran all of oh. the uh, gambling casinos. So uh, all of Nintendo's wealth up until 1920 came from illegal gambling syndicates. Speaking of Yakuza, I do have a, a rumour that I can comment on. This is a rumour, though. This was not, nothing was ever proven. In some time in the past... <laughs> you You've date? got no date. I don't have a date. Well, we've got a, we've got a system for this, mate. Mm. Uh, it was rumoured that happened in 1995, so probably somewhere in the mid-90s. So there's a rumour, and, and it is just this, it's a rumour. It's They've had to redact the the participant's name. There's, a, there's an interview in a book, which I believe is in something like the history of the console wars or something. And it's an interview with an ex-Nintendo developer, and the quote is as follows... No, it's not. This is my version of the quote. <laughs> I think you'll be fine. It's you, as good as anything. The, the word is paraphrasing, Luke. No, I'm going to stick with, this is my quote. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, just to clarify, this is a rumour. This is obviously not proven. Sega apparently kidnapped a Nintendo developer's sister to stop them from working with Nintendo. The developer, in response, hired a crane to drop a Sega arcade machine in front of Sega headquarters with a note saying, if you don't stop this, your employees are next. <laughs> I don't believe that's true. I, 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 that's it, ridiculous. It might not be. So what, what did Sega do? Let her go. Um, I'll just look through my notes here. Oh, there's loads, of, loads of blank pages. <laughs> <laughs> loads of blank pages. So you, you don't know the outcome of this? Well, there was no outcome. It was one small article on one web page. So that's and the web page was okay. I hate Sega.com. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that's true. And also, he hired a crane. I mean, it's fairly what easy to hire a crane. convoluted way to free your bloody sister? What's he threatening to do? Well, he didn't want to free his sister, he just wanted to piss off Sega. So he, wasn't he didn't care about his sister. He was like, well, what are they going to do? Uh, Bunch of nerds. <laughs> So when both consoles finally made it to England, from what I can understand, because there's so many different sources saying various different dates, various different bits of information, it looks like NES handed out their advertising to Mattel, the toy company, to promote them. And the Master System, they were, from, again, from what I can understand, they were struggling to get a footing in England, and they sold their consoles to Virgin and it was Virgin's job to sell the Master System to England. Richie Branson. Richie Branson. That and prick. it was dirt cheap. A Master System was £100. A NES was... The original price of the NES in America was $200. We can't find 
how much it cost in the UK. But some people think it was probably going to be most likely around 150 English pounds. So they, they battled it out for a couple of years, and then the big big turning point, the, big, the start of the, the console wars, basically came with their successors. So prior to this, they kind of just coexisted fairly peacefully. But then in, uh, in 1988, the Mega Drive was launched in Japan, and SNES, uh, sorry, Nintendo didn't follow with their own console to succeed the NES until 1990. So Sega had a two-year two year f- two footing until... Two years of Sonic the Hedgehog and no... Two years of Sonic and no Mario. So Sega had this two-year advantage ahead of Nintendo. And in the end, not to spoil anything, Sega did technically win in Europe. Would you like to guess by how much? Uh, a million in units figures sold. in units in units sold oh, in right, Europe. Okay. Units sold. Uh, I want to guess by uh, Nintendo would have sold throughout Europe. Yep. I want to guess one point one million units. Okay. I want to guess Sega has sold one point seven million units. That's very low for all of Europe. I don't think. I, well, maybe Russia's in Europe as well. Uh, sorry, I'll, I'll take the stage. The, the only figure is some only... of Russia is in Europe. The only figures, geography. the only figures I can find, it just lists other, which includes Europe, but I couldn't find out what other meant. <laughs> but it doesn't mean Japan and America, so I'm guessing it means everywhere else. <laughs> so if you would like to amend your answer, I'll accept it. Okay, so so I'm gonna boost it up. I'm gonna boost it up. Boost it up by Nintendo, three point eight million, Sega, four point seven. Would you all like to have a guess? Or just want me to add a I'm going there? fifteen million Sega. Mm-hmm. 13 million Nintendo. I'm going 17.5 million Sega. 15 Nintendo. Um, These were both close by the discrepancy, but uh, the Sega Mega Drive sold 10.4 million and the SNES sold 8.5 million. Does that so mean I win? The reason the reason it's it the reason Sega gets the credit be like, well, yeah, you, you you may have won the war by selling more units, but you had a two year lead. You know, yeah. we did we didn't have an equal for that long. You had two Sonic, years. we had nothing. But that's Nintendo's fault. That is Nintendo's fault for developing the game's console for so long. So this is the SNES and Mega Drive. This is the SNES and Mega Drive. Sales. Sales. But what was really interesting is, so the, the whole reason that this is a big thing, the reason you asked me to do this is because in America, they have the huge, they had the campaign to promote the Mega Drive over the Genesis, as the Americans would say, over the Nintendo. <laughs> they all say it exactly like that as well. They go, the uh, well, they had the, the campaign. Hey, man, have you got a Genesis? <laughs> hey, man, have you played Sonic? With a Genesis? Sorry. Tom, we do have listeners in America. <laughs> we don't want to alienate them that much. Sorry, I just thought I was doing a very accurate and cute <laughs> your accent. I think 99% of Americans would find that endearing. <laughs> so, uh, America had this quite aggressive advertising technique. That I'm not even sure if it's legal in England to do. They directly, you know, slag off their competition. That was, that, I don't know if it's illegal now, but it was. So, in America, you had... Genesis does. What I was going to try and take a don't. guess at the slogan, but that was yeah. Oh. I knew that one. Genesis. So does what they would Nintendo actively don't. promote the 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 Genesis, the Mega Drive, as being more powerful, uh, having more impressive tech specs than the SNES, 
and then they kind of show them looking rubbish and then play loads of fast music and showing really fast games like Sonic. Mm. They, they'd say they'll have blast processing, which isn't a thing. Um, it was just a, a, a word to kind of symbolize that they had, they did technically have um, a faster processor in the computer, but everything else, um, the SNES, was significantly better in terms of resolution, and that was the only thing I wrote down. So. <laughs> but I remember sound, the sound was always better. The on sound the SNES was as significantly well. like, better on the SNES. The music was always way better on the SNES. So that that was just because the SNES Zero, for example, the SNES had a better sound chip in it. So the Genesis music would sound a bit more compressed, whereas the the SNES had more capabilities. It was kind of cool the Mega Drive sound. It was more like. Like uh, grungy. It was. I really wanted to look into this more, but I ran out of time because I only did my research this afternoon in about uh, two hours. Taking a taking a page out of Sam's book. Out of Sam's book. Uh, thought really, I, that's know. how this podcast works. So, music on old consoles worked by you'd have various data channels, and you could make those data channels do certain things. So one of them, it would be like a noise track, and you could kind of modulate that noise track to kind of make a drum. So it would be. And obviously you'd silence it, or in whatever ways you could edit that data to kind of make it into a ch 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 ch. So then mm-hmm. that noise track would become your drum track. You'd have these certain tracks, and you could put in certain instruments. Now, because the snares had a better sound chip, you could you had a lot more flexibility. You could work with a lot yeah. more of those constant yes. sounds, and you could have more more have channels, more, more, more instruments. Um, so there was more limitations in the in the Mega Drive. But in saying that. The music in a lot of the Mega Drive games were really, really, really impressive. Uh, Sonic, for example? Road Rash 2. Sonic is a perfect example. Pop quiz. What celebrity made the music for Sonic 3? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Oh, God. <laughs> I read that and I was like, they're not going to know that. I'll write that down. I watched, the reason, listeners, the reason if you listen to episode one, this series... You'll hear me and Sam talking about we had a Michael Jackson day. The reason we had that Michael Jackson day is because I saw a little YouTube video about how the music for Sonic 3 was done by Michael Jackson and all this shit happened. And I thought Sam would enjoy that, so I came to work and I put it on for him, but Sam knew next to nothing about Michael Jackson, so we started watching Michael Jackson videos. (laughs) And that... (laughs) Full circle. Full disclosure. There you go. (sighs) <laughs> comfortable a story arc completed a story arc right, like in, in, through a series we're, we're developing <laughs> <laughs> that was contrived it wasn't so, so so Sega had Michael Jackson's involvement which made for they denied it though didn't they they did they removed Pedo's talk came out though yeah. so so what happened was my, uh, Michael Jackson was brought in to do the soundtrack Pedo's again <laughs> we stop talking about pedos in every episode seriously I think the only way we're going to advertise this uh, our, the podcast our, our tagline pedos. is just the pedo podcast the roadway of history is littered with pedos <laughs> every industry has pedos involved are we the only people that aren't pedos do you think, do you think... no I can't be <laughs> right shall we continue continue Hang on. please Yes, the processor was better on the Mega Drive, but I think the others, the other tech specs kind of were noticeably better on the SNES. So the resolution, you could play a game on the same console, and I, because the output was better on one the SNES versus the Mega Drive, it one game would look better because it was capable of outputting a better resolution as opposed to putting out something lower and then kind of upscaling it on the fly. 
I think that's how it works. It'd be interesting to see like uh, like F Zero, which mm. was just for the SNES, to see that on Mega Drive because it would have looked a bit worse. But because the Mega Drive was always a bit like I say, like grungier, like mm. with the soundtrack. Imagine the F Zero soundtrack on Mega Drive. It might sound. You really know what? Fucking I would cool. I would imagine someone out there has made that already. Yeah. So what, what what's publicly available is the tool that Sega composers used to use to create the soundtracks. Right. So someone who's really, really good at making music will just open that up and be like, yeah, let's just recreate this. And then it would sound like a Sega Mega Drive version of F Zero. You know what? I've never I never I've never even seen F Zero. Really? I played a lot of F Zero X. For N sixty four. For the N sixty four, which was I think my favourite game of all time. But I've F-Zero. never played F Zero. F Zero. So in terms of hardware hardware though, what What's most striking to me is that the the Mega Drive had a terrible controller. It was it was dirt. awful. It was like a big mutated shell. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> I have kind the, of fond memories of yeah. I didn't the, like the, it. It was just Mega a Drive controller. thing. That All you know. I remember is up, down, left, right, A, B, C, start. What did that do? Nothing. It was uh, unlock more levels in Sonic. What was the C button on the on the on the Mega Drive? It was the third A B C third. So there was yeah. three buttons. There was the, one, line. the one that on Streets of Rage, if you accidentally pressed it, would and call you used in up the your art. power. Oh, <laughs> yeah, call the, yeah, the specials button. All oh, right, okay. Call so, in the artillery. So, accidentally press it, just like no, I killed one goon. <laughs> 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 just one lousy goon one goon with cause with ginger I killed the ginger are you talking Darryl about like Streets of Rage 1 where he's talking about one way he called in the where police where the busies came in yeah. and shot, yeah, shot yeah, their yeah. little weapons in cause in 3 you just did your you had like a yeah you had like a weird Japanese guy move and, and no, what, what, was what would you, they say Dom on, the, on, uh, on Streets of Rage when you press C when you were the main guy Axel Axel he was like get off that <laughs> oh Tell you what, what? I, th- this is it. how young I was yeah. when I, when I was first started playing that. I remember reading the the booklet, <laughs> all right, and it had uh, the, the characters, and it had uh, like Axel, alone, age, age twenty three, <laughs> sex, male, and I remember going sex. It's <laughs> 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 his sex. <laughs> Right, I've got one more game-related comment, and then I'm going to go on to my favourite fact that I learned while researching this. One of the huge advantages, which probably sold a lot of games for the Mega Drive, was that Nintendo had this family-friendly image. So Mortal Kombat, when you finally got it, you'd heard all, oh, there's blood in it, mate. Oh, there's really, there's really gruesome fatalities. Oh, you can punch the head off. Nah. <laughs> Not in the Nintendo version. They censored it. Uh, they replaced the blood with sweat, so it just looked like people were sweating when you were punching them. And they just just gotten rid of all the fatalities. I don't remember this sweat. Thing. I didn't remember this, but this is what I read, and I was like, "All right, we okay." Had Mortal Kombat for the snares. There was no sweat. Well, that's there was a right. cheat. Well, it was probably just like white. No, no, no. There wasn't. Not for the snares. For the Mega Drive, there was the cheat. So that's why most people bought it for the Mega Drive because it wasn't locked off. So you'd, you'd go, you'd buy Mortal Kombat. And then you'd have to type in this code, otherwise it would be censored, and you wouldn't get all the blood and the brutalities, and basically what made the game good. So it was a cheat that made it It was good. a cheat that unlocked... Well, it wasn't even... It was, just, it was locked by default because of sensitive reasons. So you'd unlock it, and you'd get this, uh, this, for the time, quite groundbreaking content. You know, you could pull off someone's head. 
I never did a. I don't think I don't know any, anyone who knew how to do any. Nobody of the knew how to do fatalities. You had to buy magazines to learn the button combinations. <laughs> no one ever bought the magazines apart from Americans. Let's talk about Americans more. And <laughs> they, but they were on in the arcades. They were imprinted on the cabinet. So when you're in the arcades, you can just be. Oh, boop, 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 boop. But obviously, when you're at home, you didn't have that. So no one knew how to do the fatalities. Popping that one nerdy fat kid at school. Who claimed yeah. his dad worked for Nintendo? You. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, Samurai's are 65% shut. <laughs> <clears throat> because of America's weird advertising rules where they're allowed to publicly berate their opposition. I miss Sam's voice. <laughs> Well, I think I'm going to be ill because I think some of that flew <laughs> in my mouth. Lovely for you, I think most of that is just lager. So. When I said, I miss your voice, Sam, Sam was having a little... Well, Sam was having a gulp because Sam doesn't have sips of beer. Sam was having a gulp of beer. <laughs> he sprayed it across the room while laughing. And it's it's in Downey's drink. It's in right next... <laughs> I would say they are about four four foot apart. I would say five foot apart. Five foot apart. But I, I was mean. hit in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so the American campaign was really kind of brutal and full on. Like, yeah, yeah, Genesis, bad, bad, snares. And we, that's not really how English people do it. So how do you think we advertised the Mega Drive and the SNES? Hey... Oh, well, that's American. Right. That's American. Uh, you don't have to fight if you don't want to, though. It's only 100 quid. I hear this is all right. But, <laughs> but, but, but if, you, if you don't really want that, uh, this is all right as well. Um, was it anything like that? No, we... So the, 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 the Mega Drive was pretty poorly advertised. It was the most 90s kind of adverts possible. Like a mad scientist. Was that a, Richie Dickhead Branson? No, because his involvement, from what I've from what I've read in you know forty minutes this, this afternoon, uh, ceased after the Master System. Oh right, okay. So, so. the advertising—I um, may be wrong—the advertising in uh, for the for the Mega Drive was just just nineties typical. Hey, you're a young guy, not American. That's American though. again. Yes, I know, but it was very much. Like, hey, I think guys. adverts on TV when we were kids were very American, you know. But contrastingly, a hundred percent. SNES took a British icon and chose him to promote the SNES. Peter K. Who do you think that, well... Peter K? No, not Peter K. He would have been about four. It was someone we all hold in very, very Bob high Mortman. regard. No, but that that level of reverence that we have for them. Uh, I, I don't there's hold one anyone other person, as high in my there's life There's one other Mortman. person I think that you hold in the same regard. No. There isn't. Rick Mail. Was it Rick Mail? It was Rick Mail. Rick Mail was the face of SNES in England. Was he? How amazing is that? I don't remember that. I want to to go and find these adverts. The adverts were fantastic. So the the first... I don't remember these adverts. I I feel like we we talked about the power of advertising very briefly the other week. I've got no memory. Yeah, but Dom, this would have been 1992. You'd have been seven. Would you remember adverts from when you were seven? I remember the Monster Munch advert that played won the TV version of Return to Oz. I remember the Quaver <laughs> advert 
No, the uh, the Sugar Puffs advert where all I the, the sugar fellas would turn well. into big yeah, yellow monsters. That. Rick Mail in the advert, he basically he was going from room to room because uh, he was saying at the start of the advert is uh, so my friends at Nintendo. That's not what Rick Mail sounds like. <laughs> no, that was quite good. So the, my friends at Nintendo have said that. Forty pounds for a game which cont- cont- contains five Mario games. Mario One, hard but not too challenging. Mario Two, even harder, might drive you insane. Mario Three, it's mental. And then Mario: The Lost Levels. Some say it's so hard it'll drive you bonkers. Look, this guy's been playing it. And it goes in. Hey, aren't you that unfunny celebrity who repels all women? See, it's clearly insane. <laughs> <laughs> Kudos Nintendo I'm going to give them a round of applause for that. <laughs> Is that a real advert? Yes, you can go and watch How, it today I'm, So to be fair, that's basically the extent Of the vitriol in, in the UK Advertising of the 16 so basically there wasn't there wasn't, really, any, uh, it wasn't a big deal in England It didn't feel like there was It just like, you'd, you'd have your mates at school who'd be like I like Mega Drive, I like Nintendo I think it was just really cool if you went somewhere uh, and they had the like, other one. The other one. Cause you'd be like, "Fuck, I don't have that one. That's that's great. It's not a competition at all. Let's 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 have them all." So, although Sega technically won, obviously in the long term, Sega went completely bust and ruined themselves. Do you want to know the reasons for that? Why that happened? Why Sega went completely yes. making really really the- shit Sonic games all the time? <laughs> so they're still doing that. So it's not that because they're still they're still a successful business, but. There's a few interesting points. Never in making a follow-up to Jet Set Radio Future. That is the main reason why they aren't famous. Was that Sega that <laughs> made that? Yeah, Sega, Sega, yeah, it was an in-house uh, game. That's one of your games, isn't uh, it? Uh, so what happened, what happened, basically, was as, as, as the two consoles, the SNES and the Mega Drive, went on and on, Sega tried to extend the life of the Mega Drive by putting on these that terrible add-ons. The big clump that went in the top. The big clump. So you had two big clumps. The first one that came out, I think it was the first one, was the Sega Mega CD. So what that let, what that let creators do was create video content, interactive video content for the Mega Drive, which is insane, thinking about it. It's a very, very weak computer, but the fact that it could play back CDs and play back that kind of content. So the Sega CD let them create games like Night Trap. Do you know what Night Trap is? Shit! Ah, was that that weird game where um, you will have watched a Hello You video on <laughs> Night Trap or something similar? Quite, quite possibly. At one so point the, the idea of the game is basically you're watching a film and you're in control of some cameras and you choose what room you want to look at. Yeah. And as long as you're looking at the right room when something bad happens, you can stop the bad thing from happening. For the time, it was amazing seeing full motion video on a, on a console because at the, you've got to think of the size of the discs and don't even pretend that anyone you ever knew or anyone anyone's ever known has ever had one of them. But they apparently they used really, really, really low quality lasers in the Sega CD. So even the, if you found one, chances are 90% chance of it being broken because this la- the la- lasers made for the Sega CD were made for audio playback only, not really intense video and data playback. So most, of, most people who had them, they ended up breaking anyway. They not only had the, the Mega CD that they made to try and extend the life of the Mega Drive, they made the 32X. 
Now, 32X was basically, uh, it was just another plug-in, so it would basically turn the Mega Drive into this mutant where you just have loads and loads of attachments on top of it. The 32X enabled it to do more complex uh, graphics, so you could do things like Star Fox. Obviously not Star Fox, because that was for the SNES, but I don't know of any memorable... Lilac Wars. I don't know of any memorable... It was definitely called Lilac Wars. It was called Star Wing. Mm-hmm. Yep, and what's Lila was? That is the 64 Lila version. Yeah. Okay. Because they couldn't call it Star Fox because of some sequel. copyright issue in England. Did they call it Star Fox in the sequel, did they? Uh, I'm pretty sure Lila was for the 64 was Star Fox. Yeah. Was. Yeah, it was. But they, they weren't allowed to call it Star Fox in England, uh, sorry, Europe, because of some licensing issue with someone in Germany who had Star Fox as a brand name. So they had to call it know. Star Wing. And that's why you've got Lilac Wars, Pilot Wars. That's why you've all got the different Star Fox. Different what was names. that game called that we had where it was all about? You were all, you always started in the sky. It was like Pilot, Pilot Wing. Was Pilot it Pilot Wing? Wing? Yeah. Is that what you just said? Is that why I'm thinking that? I said Pilot Wars. It was incorrectly. really hard. I don't think we ever com- got past the first level. <laughs> I could never land that plane. <laughs> <laughs> so the SNES didn't have any of these stupid add-ons. They didn't kind of try to prolong it. Even the Mega Drive, outside of the stupid 32X, the, the, the Mega CD, both of which failed, both of which no one was going to buy. To be honest, I've never in real life... Ever, I, I knew what the Sega CD was. I, I remember that being a thing. Mm. I do not remember the, th- the 32X. 32X I'd never heard of the 32X. Thing. It was just in my research. I, I pulled it up. Yeah. But apparently the reason like I why... Say, nobody had these things. The reason why the 32X life. failed so dramatically was because it came out three months or so before the Sega Saturn. Now, if you knew Sega was going to be developing a brand new console... Can I do CD- an impression of the Sega Saturn, please? <laughs> okay, I'll click over there. <laughs> what game was that? That was Discworld. That was Discworld 2. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a big downside of the console. Just a, just a big question, because I never had a Sega Saturn. It was like a PlayStation, but whenever you did anything, it loaded louder than a TV could make noise. <laughs> Especially because Discworld was a point-and-click game. So when you was in Terry Pratchett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. game and, uh, and Eric it was, uh, Idle was voiced by Eric Idle. Yeah, it was really good. It was it was funny. It was really funny. Mousey. Almost. I will. Could you get past the the loading sound? Really interesting bit of trivia. Uh, one of them that the bopping Hummus guy bopping was voiced hummus. by Rob Brydon very early in his career. Wow. wow. Oh, oh, nice. So uh, Eric hummus. Idle and Rob Brydon pop popping hummus. So it was a Could joke it? based on popping candy. It was, a, it was supposed to be like a, a, a Middle Eastern country. Instead of popping candy, they had popping. Hummus. Yeah, but I didn't know what hummus was then. Mm. Well, hummus. they also had genuine candy rock. So it's just rock then. <laughs> yes, but it's candy. <laughs> Is it too early to go on the downfall of Sega? No. no. <laughs> you mentioned the Sega Saturn. So whereas Sega tried to kind of extend the life of their consoles with these stupid add-ons, which nobody bought because they were really expensive, and the games, I think people kind of knew that there were, were going to be about 12, and then they weren't going to continue on. To match this, uh, Nintendo, they started building in uh, extra chips into their games, which made them significantly more expensive. <laughs> 
But the graphical capabilities were amazing for the time. So, so that's they posted where them solely in the cartridges that's right. rather than... Rather than selling stupid add-ons, which no one wanted, especially when the, the successor was coming out soon. Did so, Mega Drive not invent the uh, save feature? I looked into this. No. Save feature I thought that yellow out. block. I thought that yellow block was a save was a save thing, but no, it's existed for ages. The first home console, from what I read, uh, again I may be wrong, was the Legend of Zelda, and they had a battery on. Oh, shit, yeah, you could save on. That was yeah. the first one. Um, I try, I try to look into it more, and I couldn't find a definitive date. And I, I started reading things like, oh, you could save your state from this console from 1974. No, you couldn't. I couldn't find a definitive date on when the first appearance of. Uh, save games and home consoles uh, was but no common uh, playground rumor that the yellow bit on a sega mega drive was the save because that didn't happen for example road rash had it and that was an ea i think it may have just been an ea symbol because road rash had it and road rash didn't have save games it had passwords but it didn't have save games passwords it that was would allow micro machines as well Yes, but the save games were facilitated by small batteries on the memory card. So what they would do would be writing the data to that battery. Well, sorry, to a, a, a chip that would require... Power, constantly. Power to kind of keep that data alive. So if, obviously, if you pull that battery out, the data would die, it would be removed. You wouldn't have your save file anymore. So that's how save games existed in old-timey games. Wow. So if you took your cartridge out yeah. and were like, oh, I'll play on that. In three years, yeah. that battery would die and your save game wouldn't No, be the standard life length for the batteries in those consoles was 11 years. So now if you tried it, it wouldn't work. So, like, if so you, do you know gone. if you got a copy of Pokemon Blue, because it's the best one, so why would I talk about the rest of them, and you chiseled it open, <laughs> there's a little battery inside that's got your save file, that, uh, sorry, that helps keep your save file alive. Does the battery charge every time you plug it into? No. No, no. It's, it's, were they just usually watch batteries? They were watch batteries, yeah. yeah. But they used such Lithium little batteries. amount of... Yeah. So the battery was solely used for to, to just keep, keep the same file alive. The, Again, from my understanding, alive. it's yeah, it's just keeping the data alive. So aside from these ridiculous expansions that nobody wanted to buy, that was kind of it. So the advertising campaign wasn't as vicious as it was in America. So the 16-bit wars weren't as eventful in England as it was in America. It was a much bigger deal there. So... The downfall of Sega came at the behest of one of my favourite games of all time, indirectly. Jet Radio. No. Grim Fandango. <laughs> no, that was LucasArts. The black and white. Uh, that was Peter Molyneux. <laughs> uh, it was Shenmue. Uh, Shenmue cost $50 million to make. I love Shenmue. I was going to say, Shenmue. so we've moved into Sega that's, Dreamcast. That's moved into Dreamcast. That's, that, that's what caused the downfall of Sega. Not directly. Basically, after after the, the, the Saturn, it kind of really, really, really underperformed. They uh, Sega put a lot of their budget into developing brand new games that they were sure were going to make a huge amount of money. So they did put 50 million behind Shenmue, which at 50. the time... 50, five zero million. It's a great game, Which, Shenmue, though. For the time as well, it was one of the first open-world games, and it would naturally react to weather cycles in real time. I think they had a, a link to, like, the Weather Channel or something. So it would, in Japan, it would have the, the actual real-time weather. Uh, maybe it was only if the Dreamcast was connected to the internet. Well, the Dreamcast was Dreamcast the did have a... It did have an internet it, connection, cable. but... Very few people can. So maybe, maybe I'm fact, wrong. I've got a little story. Go on. I had a Dreamcast. We had 
we hooked that up to our phone line. As we had a Me very... Me did that too. With we the Fancy did... Star Online. With Fancy Star Online. No, ours was Quake 3, I think. Quake 3 Arena. Quake 3 Arena. And we played online. We had the mouse. We had the keyboard. Yeah. And we were playing online. We had that, but we didn't have the We mouse. were never charged. We were never charged. We were never charged. <laughs> I think it was just some kind of loophole. I remember oh, my mum oh. going, you, you're not, don't spend too long on it. <laughs> don't spend too we long. We were told the exact same thing. So basically the gist of it is that Sega kept trying to expand with this, these huge, huge budget games and they just didn't make the money back. So eventually, it was so good. Shenmue though. was amazing. It, it was the first game that used open world, open world, open world, and also a uh, quick, quick time events, quick time, events. Quick time events. which have become a bane on the air game. They have became a bane on the industry. But, but at the time, we're like, wow, this is really cool. But do you, you know, know <laughs> do you know what the guy who made Shenmue is famous for? You've got two guesses. Two, Two guesses. What he was famous. Massive, massive Sega franchises. Huge. One of them is very, very early days. And Golden Axe. No. <laughs> and the other one. Go- I love Golden Axe. Well, I'll give you a clue. One involves racing. Shadow Dancer. One involves fighting. Street Fighter and F Zero. Wrong and Double wrong. Dragon. Wrong. Fuck. Mortal Kombat. Wrong. The guy who made Shenmue, who got the $50 million, who ba- which basically bankrupt Sega, he was the guy who made OutRun and Virtua Fighter. Right, well, never played uh, either. Virtua never heard Fighter. of Virtua Both Fighter. Both of them, huge, huge franchises. And that's why... I win. I win. Jeffrey. And that's why... It was in, your character, wasn't it? I was Cage. Oh, no, shit. Cage was... Namu. Namu. <laughs> so that's why there's so much really advanced fighting in Shenmue is because he made them. All right. That's nice so, yeah. mm. so what was so, going on with Nintendo at this time? So at this time, Nintendo was developing the N64, which became a huge, huge success. Uh, as opposed of my youth. As opposed to the Saturn, which failed, and then the Dreamcast, which failed. The reason Sega failed and the reason that they backed out of hardware production was because they kept making these huge, huge, huge games that cost a lot of money. No one had a Dreamcast, so no one was buying these games. Even if you looked at the adoption rates of the the, the Dreamcast, it didn't even compare anywhere near to the budgets that they were spending on games. It was a stupid decision by all. And what it came down to at the very end, it's a Japanese company, Sega, and at the very, very end, uh, it was given... There was an American guy who had the choice, and he was like, uh, I was asked if I wanted to continue making games and hardware or just making games. And he was just like, uh, I, it's, it's not it's not my place to say, really, but I don't think we should be making computers anymore. And then they stopped making hardware. Why and is this with man giving this authority? Well, there's interviews with him now, and he's like, I don't know why I was asked to make that decision. I wasn't even that high up in the company. <laughs> and I was asked, <laughs> and was like, should, we, should we keep making Dreamcast? Nah, should we just keep making shit Sonic games? <laughs> I used like, to make the coffee. If this man gets the wrong decision, we'll fire him. <laughs> yeah, maybe it could be an easy scapegoat. Uh, also, one thing I'd like to say about the Dreamcast, it was a massive failure, but also it had a horrible overheating problem. Really? Yeah. Yep. Play Shenmue for, for six hours straight. And for a game that had, I think it was four or five discs. Yeah, it was it had a lot big, of discs. Big you, game. You, you, play, you played for a long time at a time. 
and it, it would cut out. After a while, it would go, boom, and then you have to open it up. Our dad would do it all the time. Fan it, waft it out. You, you have to open it up, and because the pins would bend into shape, so you just want to bend them back into shape and make the connections again. That's ridiculous. So I suppose the easiest way to signify the end of the Sega Nintendo Wars is when Sega gave up. They stopped making games. Yeah, sorry, making hardware. But no, I I consider the the end of the Sega Nintendo Wars the day that someone at Sega signed off at. Sonic versus Mario at the Olympics. That was the game that people had been waiting their whole lives for. Uh, finally, we've got and it was Sonic that. and Mario in one game. We've finally got a proper mark of competition. We can do this. What an, an unimaginative name. It was a glorified Wii Sports. It was god awful. And I'll tell you what was the best game on the Wii the Golf. That's great, mate. <laughs> Golf was the best one. So my, my summary is Sega won financially at the time, but long term they, they lost by miles. Look, I genuinely enjoyed that. That was fun. That was really fun. I thought we'd talk about a few more games. I've got a list of interesting games if you'd like to go through them. Well, the last SNES game ever released was called Lucky Luke. thought that was interesting because my name is it. Luke. No one ever has. Nobody cares um, about it. No one wants your backstory, mate. Do you remember Streets of Rage 3? That was a game that existed. We already talked about that. Uh, Ristar. Michael Jackson did the soundtrack for Sonic 3. We've done that. <laughs> Accusations. <laughs> Accusations around that time had it either remixed or removed. We've done Me that. Me and Sam. Hang on. I've got a quote. Guess the game. You can't make accusations like that without <laughs> evidence. <laughs> easy as <laughs> shit. It's got to be Luca against this one. Poke on the movie 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you just know so this. you know, Luke has been saying Pokemon the movie 2000 a lot lately. Excuse me, listeners, can I just say that <laughs> Luke has said Pokemon the movie 2000 as his answer to any film, computer game, general interest, <laughs> dinner option, <laughs> restaurant suggestion... Since he was about 18 years old. Luke is 29 now. I'm 28. He's 28 now. And it's getting a bit frustrating. The answer is Perfect Dark. Why? Which he should have known. (laughs) One of the things, I should have mentioned this earlier. One of the things that massively extended the Super Nintendo's uh, life was actually Donkey Kong Country. It was basically because it looked so unbelievably good. It's 3D. It was the first uh, 3D pre-rendered game in existence. Imagine like when you look at virtual reality now and you see that in effect. That's how people felt at the time looking. So what game I remember is? it. We had it. Donkey Kong Country. Um, Donkey Kong Country got huge, like monumental sales for the SNES, and that really helped it catch up. It's made by a man called Grant Kirkhope, who also oh, made the soundtrack the to uh, Banjo Kazooie and Conker's Bad Fur Day and all the good Rare games. What happened to Rare? Microsoft bought them and made them shit. But recently, uh, Rare seem to have had a resurgence and they've got a couple of games coming out that seem like they're going to be really, really, really good. See if these... My flatmate's brother, Sam Chester, who listens to this podcast. (laughs) Oh, big shout out to Big Sam. He, he, He worked on that game. As much as Sega failed overall, I think they will always win forever by making one game. Rise from the grave and record your voiceover in a shower. How about uh, 
Welcome to your doom. Welcome to your doom. <laughs> Sam, you do look ill. Oh, okay. thanks. <laughs> your eyes are 85% shut. Uh, that's 5% that's more open than normal. And I think that's it. I think that covers kind of every every basic uh, point from, from a Brit's perspective. I hope that was educational in some way. Well, Luke, it was uh, clear, it was concise, it was to the point. <laughs> I liked it. Why I loved it, in fact. But Luke, you know, I've never looked at you this long before. Mm. And what I've noticed is... The movement in your top lip is very limited. <laughs> it's minimal at best, isn't it? I think it's... The word I would use to describe it is tight. I don't think I technically... Like if, you, if you asked a scientist whose main job was to look at bodies and identify parts, they would struggle to identify an upper lip on my body. <laughs> I don't have an upper lip. If, if I was in paint... <laughs> and you had to draw me you'd draw a normal face and then the upper lip bit would be one pixel wide <laughs> I don't know why and your head would be 10,000 pixels wide I don't know why I don't have an upper lip but uh, Luke, I think it affects the way I speak I think that the uh, one pixel wide drawing of you in paint would be accurate I think it would be very accurate um, a large filtrum 99 pixels. A big gap between nose and lip. Yep. There's a huge. So 50 pixels from bottom of nose to top of lip, one pixel from lip 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 to open mouth. (laughs) To gum. (laughs) (laughs) Please remind me of what Wasp Talk is. Wasp Talk was a game me and Luke used to play where we'd sit on a windowsill. Full of dead wasps. No, there wasn't full of dead wasps. Okay. Ah, dead wasp no, on it. There was never ah. It was never one. Yes, it was. We would place the dead wasps to the edge until one dead wasp. I'll explain the rules of dead. How wa- many dead wasps were available I, I, in this house? I, Luke, this is old wooden nineties windows. There was always a, every <laughs> wooden nineties window As a had a dead, dead wasp in it. <laughs> so, the game begins. Me, one end of the windowsill, sitting cross-legged somehow. Sorry, on what the age would you be here, Luke? Well, you were very young when the specific story I'm trying to tell right now. Well, no, okay, hang on, hang on. Let us just tell you the rules of wasp talk. <laughs> the rules of wasp talk are: one lad on one end of the windowsill, one lad on the other end of the windowsill. Your only weapon is your breath. <laughs> <laughs> Dead wasp on windowsill. <laughs> you have to blow it toward each other. Towards each other, sorry. Uh, and I don't remember how you lost. I don't think there was a way of no, losing. Didn't it, it, but if you it fell on the floor? Your leg? Didn't, or, no, it was I fell think, on the floor. I think maybe if it fell off, yeah, if it went somehow off that you lose. Side of but I think maybe you always lost because you were just the younger child, one. And if, a you, young boy. if something happened, I would hit you and then you would lose. But I remember this specific day where you lost dramatically. (laughs) So, classic wasp talk. I blow a wasp towards Luke. Wasp flies along windowsill towards Luke. Luke, Luke blows it back. It comes back. Mm, Not very far. Maybe 
maybe halfway. <laughs> so I lean forwards, back towards Luke. This goes on for a little while. Then Luke does the most unscientific blow. <laughs> Gust of air, or maybe the most scientific gust of air of all time. Luke is 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 bearing over a dead wasp on a windowsill, blows downwards onto it. It <laughs> so it somehow cyclones up into his eyeball, into his eyeball, and Luke screams. We never played Wasp Talk ever again. <laughs> the last very eventful game of Wasp Talk. I think that's the last memory I have. You remember that, though, Who don't you? Who came up with the name Wasp Talk? I think it was Dad. How can a little boy... Like, imagine it. This is a... Uh, I'd love to draw a diagram. It's a little boy blowing directly down on a wasp, and somehow this its dead body Did it flies sting up. It no, you in no, the eye. it definitely didn't. It just, just got body. in my eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've been talking about games all night. Uh, I think there's one game that we haven't mentioned that I would like to talk about a lot because it means a lot, and we never got to do it. We didn't get to do Crystal Maze. We bought tickets to go and do Crystal Maze and we never got to go and do it. I could have been team leader. Some man who was impersonating you Richard O'Brien could have shook my hand and said, good going, chief. <laughs> and that never happened. You were never going to be team leader. Well, I was. And nobody would ever call you chief. A young boy might. <laughs> Especially if I was wearing a special vest. Why didn't that happen? Why didn't we end up going to do Crystal Maze? Sam got the days completely wrong. So my whole plan when we went to, to do the Crystal Maze, right, was so as soon as Richard O'Brien let went into the room, <laughs> it wouldn't was, be Richard O'Brien. It would. It would. It the equivalent. Would the equivalent. No, it would be a lovely baldy Richard O'Brien, ancient. So like the first game that we got, it would be a it would be a mental game like Sam in you go. As soon as Sam went into the room, I'd tear through the window and be like, get out, get out, get out. So I'd be like, how, how much longer have I got left? And Richard O'Brien would be like, you've got four minutes. I'd be like, Sam, get out, get out, get out, no, get out. <laughs> how good would that be? <laughs> I would love that so much. It would be the best, wouldn't it? You know what would be the best, though? To see that, you know, when you're watching Challenge. Yeah, yeah. To see that in an old episode. Just some frantic man. Just, just like peeling through, you know, like the little weird bits of cloth that are in the way. Just like, get out! On the Aztec level. Get out! <laughs> <laughs> I think I would burst with joy. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, okay, and I think on that note, we can firmly say goodbye. Goodbye for me forever. <laughs> <laughs> Good riddance. <laughs> I pushed your microphone.
Drop me crystal, yeah, calm down. <laughs> <laughs>